like a lot. I, I think, Pastor Barbara, I might have been about 13 or 14 still playing with Barbie. We didn't have electronics. We had no social media. It was either go outside and play till late at the night or, or play with your Barbie dolls. And thank, thankful for my mom and dad who, you know, they save everything of mine. So I have my old Snoopy suitcase. Y'all, this is now called vintage. What the heck? Like, when did I become vintage Barbie? That's terrible. I mean, I have Barbie dolls. And we would set up, my sister and I, we would set up our Barbies in the whole living room. We had couches, chairs. We had the Barbie dream pool, the Barbie dream house, the Barbie dream car. We had Ken, multiple Kens because there were multiple Barbies. And a whole heck of a lot of clothes. Come on now. That was really what it was all about. But then one day you wake up. And you're like 23, 25, 35, and you're like, wait, I'm not living in a Barbie dreamland. Maybe things didn't work out quite as perfectly as I had expected them. Like you get married and your husband's chest falls into his drawers. Like that wasn't in my Barbie dream plan. Then you get your Barbie dream pool, and then the cover doesn't work, the heat's not on, you can't go in it, it has out, it's like, and then you get this thing, the C word, cellulite, straight from hell, that big C is. But here's the deal, I was in Pittsburgh, and I lived in Pitcairn, and I was in the pits, so it seemed. It was like the triple pit. But what the enemy did not know is that my exterior circumstances do not fill me up and do not define me. So three words that I want you to write down and I want you to leave with this tattooed on your heart tonight. These are your three words, fullness, full measure, and fully satisfied. That means I am so full, I could walk through just about any situation at any time, no matter what, and it does not define me. Who I am is who God says I am. And like in Romans 12, as Barbie alluded to, you take your everyday life, your real life, not some dream fantasy world. I mean, all of this social media, it has made life so surface, so facade. It's like, who are your real friends? Who, who loves you without makeup and your glasses on and your retainer in? That's your real friend. And, and I think, I love what it says at the end of Romans 12 in verse 2. God brings the best out of you. And he develops a well-formed maturity in you. Say well-formed maturity. Say fullness. I'm full. So you're not lacking. You're not missing. You're not not enough. You are fully who you are supposed to be right now. And in Ephesians 4, 
Here, it's talking about Jesus, the head of the church, handing out gifts of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working with Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's son. And read this with me. Fully mature adults, that's, that's us, the body of Christ. Fully mature adults, fully developed within and without. Come on, somebody, say, I am full of it. I'm literally full of it. And here's what you're full of. You're fully alive with Christ. That's who you are. So when the enemy's yapping in your ear, you're not enough, you're not enough, you're not worthy, you're not, blah, 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 just say, talk to the hand. This is spirit-filled Barbie showing up right now <laughs> with flat feet and cellulite. Bring it on. And can we just say thank you to all of the Kens that showed up tonight. How gracious are you to show up and wear a black t-shirt with Ken. Our men are the bomb, aren't they? And they're going to have an incredible men's retreat. And we as women celebrate masculinity and the men of God. They are a huge deal in our world, right? Um, we're not trying to kick them out of Barbie land. <laughs> we want them big time. Um, okay, so everybody knows the scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall I shall not want. Why? Because I'm full. I'm fully satisfied. I'm full of it. I'm full. I'm not lacking. A few other translations says, he's my shepherd to feed, guide, shield. I shall not lack. I have what I need. I lack nothing. I will never be in need. I will always have everything I need. I have everything I need. I will lack nothing. Woo, I don't need a thing. He gives me everything I need. He cares for me always. The Lord governs me, and there is nothing that I lack. That's who you are. Jehovah is my shepherd. I, can you just say, I do not lack. Come on, we're talking about your peace. We're talking about your joy. We're talking about wisdom. We're talking about in your marriage. We're talking about in your health. We're talking about in your career, in your church, in your community, with your dreams, with the I do not lack. Amen. So as you bring my BFF up here, she's going to pray right before our guest speaker comes. Come on, girly. Woo! Can we say Bishop Barbie? I mean, we all better. Listen, if you're acting up, now was a good time to straighten up right now. I, I, I always think, okay, who wants to go with me and spend like five or six hours doing church stuff? And I'm like, Pastor Barbie. <laughs> Pastor Barbie Barbara. She's like, I'm in. Let's go. You know? Okay, but I, I wanted to just with, finalize this thought and... I want to share with you something Rabbi Daniel Lappin was teaching about. He was talking about womanhood and, and manhood and 
he gave this whole expository, but there was something that I think is really important for all the girls to know. Can I read that as she's on her way? Here's what he said. He said, being a girl is absolutely natural because that's how every fetus starts off. And if nobody interferes, if there aren't any pesky Y chromosomes and, and no such interference, naturally and inevitably, the baby girl will be born. So the girl is born with all that she needs. Listen, that's how the girl is born. What am I talking about? Every egg she'll ever have is already in her when she's born. The tiny little baby girl was eight pounds of protoplasm. She's born into the world and in her are the eggs for every child she'll ever have. It's crazy, but it is a reality. In other words, she is born with all of her full potential right there. That ought to make you jacked up, baby. She's going to grow up. She's going to mature physically. She's going to become beautiful and alluring and seductive. Hello, somebody. All of those things are going to happen. There's nothing much that she has to do. Like, this is amazing. She is a woman, so she just is. That kind of takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Of striving, working, earning. You just are. It's kind of a different stance, isn't it? Like if you start walking all weird and your husband's like, what is wrong with you? It'd be like, you don't even know. You have to work on yourself with these shots of testosterone, whatever the heck's going on. I just am. Thank you. That was wrong. Okay. Forgive me, Lord, I have sinned. Okay. He said, now she may learn later how to become a plumber, or she may learn how to become a bookkeeper, or she may learn how to do whatever she may learn various skills. But in essence of who she is, she is already a valuable person to society. That's huge. Just because you are. She's already, she doesn't have to get an additional thing. She will automatically become a member of a community. She will connect with people. She is a woman just as she is. Can you say fullness, full measure, fully satisfied? Pastor Barbara, I want you to come and pray over the women of God here. Look how we match like perfectly. I mean, our pinks. You're my special friend. You're my I love you. special friend. I just, you're like a Polly Pocket. <laughs> a powerful, holy Polly Pocket. Let's move up here a bit. Isn't she sweet? Aren't we blessed in this city? Well, I'm so honored to be here tonight, and I've learned so much. But I didn't know that you were giving away shoes, or I'd have been here a long time ago. I wear a size seven and a half or eight. Okay. So, All right. Take the but what a wonderful event this 
it's just, it's just wonderful. And of course, there's nobody like my Amy, as I call her. She's such a special person. So I'm not going to talk very long. I'm just going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to cause each of us to hear the word tonight, to take it in and allow it to do in our lives what God intends for it to do. See, Jesus knows every need that's in this room tonight. And I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that if you came with pain in your body or doubt in your heart, whatever the need is, Jesus is going to meet it tonight. I declare it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, for each woman that's representing her home with her husband, her children, her mother, father, whatever the situation is. I ask by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would download in that home and meet every need that needs to take place there. Jesus, we love you. You're the center of our joy. And we're here because of you. Because you sacrificed your life for each one of us. And we are grateful. We are thankful. And we are happy, happy, happy. <laughs> Amen. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Oh, man. Now, without further ado, my hallelujah. friend, my, what, what do we call each other? I mean, we're just like, well, she says we're two pockets of sunshine that explode together. My, uh, she's an author. She's a teacher. She's a leader. She's a businesswoman. Give it up for Sarah Cohen Connor. Amen, amen. Thank you so much. I left my microphone down there. Can you all hear me real good? Okay, let's see. All right, I'm just making sure that the clock. Okay, so let's get the boring things out the way so you get used to my accent real quickly because then you'll be like, what's she saying, what's she saying? So, so I'll hear the good things. So I have uh, books outside. I'll be out there right after the service to um, sign the books and... Take good pictures because I like to take pictures and I like to hug and squeeze everybody. So, so we'll get to do that afterwards. And then if you're on Instagram, you can find me at I am Sarah Co. There's a lot of fraudulent people. So there's only one blue check. They will try and steal your money and hijack you. It's not me. It's not me. You know, I'd rather steal your food and ask, can I come over and eat? <laughs> so if you are on Instagram, find me at I am Sarah Co. And if you're on Facebook, find me at Pastor Sarah Connor with an E-R. All right, you ready for the word? Great. All right, let's find out how it's doing. So how are you doing? Well, we're just grateful for Pastor Amy. Thank you so much for having me. And then Bishop Barbie Barbara. <laughs> what an honor to be in her presence, right? I mean, if you don't know her, you should find out. You should find out. And these bright lights, I feel like a star. So let me just take my five minutes of glory. <laughs> I mean, I've always dreamed of flashing lights, but you know. 
All right, so you don't know me. Some of you don't know me. If you have followed me before, you kind of know me. But we get to meet each other for the first time. And one of the things, when we were talking about Barbie and a Barbie theme, this is a, the line that I liked out of the movie. I mean, there's tons of different great things, right? But I liked when Ruth was talking to Barbie. And if you haven't seen the movie, I know some of you have all these different ideas. Oh, it's bashing men. and it's, You know, just get past all of that and get the heart of the movie, right? The heart of the movie really is um, you just can't be plastic anymore and it sustains you. You just can't be fake and have a real relationship with God. Right? This is a real God we serve. So when we come to him in a fake way, he can't anoint what we pretend to be. He has to anoint who we actually are. So if you just get past all of the innuendos and stuff and really take the core of it out, it's a pretty decent, good, kind of solid movie. And I liked this thing here. Ruth said to Barbie, I created you so you wouldn't have an ending. I created you so you wouldn't have an ending. That's powerful. Why? Because you and I are spirit. And the things that we do should not just end when we go. It should be from generation to generation to generation. For God goes from glory to glory to glory. And he's a generation God. He blesses your children's children's children. So when she said, I created you so you would have no end. And what Pastor Amy was talking about, that the um, eggs, you're already born with your eggs. You're already born with the ability to give life. So you are created to have no end. Did you know that it's scientifically proven also that when you have children, that the DNA and some of the cells of your children remain in your body. And when you are sick, those are the first cells that run to your rescue. You have no end. And if you and I live from a finite standpoint, that we're just here for our hundred years, then we'll be very limited and not maximize the potential God has for us because we'll become very selfish. And we won't realize that what we've gone through is to help other people go to their next situation, their next destination in God. And I know we go through. And so sometimes they call me the bounce back queen because I'm like one of those blow-up things. You ever seen those blow-up things? This is when we used to play with toys, like Pastor Amy was saying. There was a time, once upon a time, we had a thing called toys. It's a marvelous thing. You know, they were like objects, and there probably is a museum now. There used to be this place called Toys R Us. Wow. Seems so far long ago. Jeffrey, where are you? <laughs> And they used to have these things that you blew up and you could just pounce it and it would bounce right back. That thing would just annoy you because no matter if you kick it, you sit on it, no matter what you did, it bounced right back up. But it would be hours and hours of fun and frustration at the same time. And yet so many of us are faith walking, Bible thumping, Jesus is my co-pilot claiming, and we can't bounce back for nothing. We get knocked down and we stay down and we lay down. But I am here to testify on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ that he has doability. For God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask, think, or put on the canvas of your imagination. He's got doability. Look at your neighbor and say, God's got doability. 
Whatever you're stuck in, he's got doability. So my name is Sarah. I was born and raised in Jamaica, Kingston, Jamaica. Woo-hoo for everybody who wants to go to Jamaica. Yay! All right. Next time I'm going to call that they send you on a trip to Jamaica. Woo! Y'all have faith for that? Shoes and Jamaica? I think so. I think so. Get your, wear your shoes in Jamaica. I'm there almost every month, if not. So you can, hey, come hitch a ride. Come on. So my parents were in music, and my dad was one of the road managers uh, from time to time for Bob Marley, and we got a picture. I don't know if it will show up here for you. So that's my dad on the right and Bob Marley on your left. <laughs> and so we grew up with, a, with, with, with this great legend, and they used to always have to be on tour. So my dad was working all the time and away. Well, I didn't know till later on that my mom was on crack. I just knew I didn't like her and she didn't like me. Now, I grew up in the Rastafarian culture, religion, and that, <laughs> let's see, how do we sort this out for you? So that is another th situation. But the goal is to have 12 children, one for each tribe. That's the aim, okay? My dad stopped at seven, four different moms. But we get all along. But we're not Mormon, we are Rastafarian. So here it is, we have four different moms, seven different children, one dad. And my particular mom is Chinese Jamaican. Right? My dad is Jewish and black. If you're wondering like, what, are you black? Are you white? Like, what are you? I am other. On the form, there's a box called other. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> Other. <laughs> All right. There's, there's a thing for me, legal alien. That, that's, they call that too. That's a, that's a thing. So um, my grandmother is Ashanti from Ghana. Woo! So, you know, there you go. And then my grandfather is a Scottish Jew. My last name is Cohen from the tribe of Levi. Then my mom is Asian from Guangzhou, China. Right? So... Here it is. Why is that important? Because as we're growing up, I don't know that my mom is on crack. I don't know what's going on. They get divorced at a very young age, very violent relationship. And she decides that she wants me to go live with her. But I don't like her, so I don't want to go live with her. Okay? Because she used to beat me all the time. Now, here we say spanking, I guess. No, this was beaten. Like they beat you, they catch you, they run after you. Like you're... That's why Jamaicans are track stars, you know. You know why we're incredible at running? Because we run from the parents. We got to run from the law, the parent, anybody. We just got to run. So, so we are amazing at running. And so here it is. Uh, you know, she used to just, we just had a hostile relationship. And I didn't want to live with her because I was terrified of her. So I would run away from her at five, six, seven. I would run for miles on the street trying to get back to my dad who was on tour a lot of times and just, you know, just different places. So here it is, I, I'm growing up and the boy down the street takes me up on the roof and tries to sexually assault me. I'm really like seven, he's like 14, that's a lot of ages. Then the girl across the street, she does that too, okay, well that's kind of weird. I don't know, I don't have a God conscience, I've never been to church, I don't even know who God is. I'm a Rastafarian kid who has an amazing idea that God is big in there and the only thing about the Christian God that I'm aware of is he hates his own people. Because he had some kids called Adam and Eve. And one time they didn't listen to him. And then he kicked them out the, back, uh, the garden. 
and put some angels in front of there and locked up the place. So I was like, can't do that, God. That's not a God not going to work for me. I could not see the love of God in that because, again, I am a limited view. I, I'm not in church. Now, Jamaica has the most churches per square mile than any other country in the world. Guinness Book of World Records. And yet I had never been to church. And so here it is now. I'm going to a Jewish private school called Hillel Academy where we're doing Purim. <laughs> and we have all the holidays, which is great because then we're out of school half a year. <laughs> right? But I'm Rastafarian and we grow weed in our backyard. <laughs> and uh, if you're sick, you eat the weed. And if you're, you know, hyper, you drink the tea. And I mean, yeah, this is just a thing. I don't even know weed is a drug until I go to school and they tell me this is a drug. And I say, no, we grow that in our backyard. <laughs> and the principal comes and calls my dad and he goes, she doesn't know what she's saying. And I'm like, we, we just had some this morning. <laughs> So here it is. And then my mom is Chinese, right? So we are going to Chinese Benevolent Center and watching everybody play mahjong. And we're eating mooncake and doing the dragon dance. And, and we're doing all that nihama and all of that. So I, I wasn't confused at all. At all with who God was. At all. And so here, here it is. You know, I'm just existing in this world. And it's not a real world because I don't know what's going on. And so anyway, I get different, along the way, I get assaulted, different kinds of way, molested, older people, people, you know, nobody my age because I'm little. And I just think, I know something is wrong, but I don't know what's wrong because I don't have a conviction. I don't have a conviction mentality. I don't know right from wrong. I just feel something is wrong. Anyway, so they get divorced, they, they, they're, they're going back and forth. I don't like my mom, like I said, she don't like me. She cancels birthday parties because I'm disobedient. She does all this kind of stuff, but I don't know she's on crack. I just know she's hostile. That's all I know, right? And I don't have a, a, no scientific evidence to explain why this woman is nice one minute and she's off her rockers or she drops me off and forgets to pick me up for two weeks or she says hi and in two years I don't see her. I don't know. And if you have a person that is on drugs and you understand what I'm saying, you can have some stuff one day and the next day none of your stuff is there. It's all gone. This is a real life. This is real life. But, you, but you're the kid. You just have to endure. That's your mama. And even though everybody's ashamed and laughing at you and stuff, that's still your mama. And so she goes off. I don't know where she is. And so I turned 13. I know I'm raising a lot of these little children because my, my dad is gone. My mom's not there. My stepmom at the time, even though they weren't married, she was on tour too. She's a musician. So I'm here with these little children and my dad comes home one Easter weekend. And we have this big Easter holiday where people are doing carnival. You know, and they, they we used to go down to this place called Oterias and go and have these parties and all this kind of stuff. Well, I wanted to go. Well, I'm only 13. So who's going to let their child go two hours away to a party over the weekend at 13? Not my dad. But all of a sudden, why is he here anyway? He, shouldn't he be on some plane somewhere else? Now he's trying to cramp my life. Because I'm over here watching these little children. I don't want to watch these children now. It's time for me to go because you're here. You, the parent, are here. So I, the other parent, can leave. So he tells me I cannot go because I'm only 13. And I told him I'm raising these kids by myself anyway, so you know what, I'm going to leave. Because, of course, I have a job in Jamaica. It's so big. Like, where am I going? Where am I going exactly? I don't know. But I decided I'm grown enough and I'm leaving. So I run away from home. 
And I had one girl in my ear, and she kept telling me, he's not here. You know, you always have to do stuff. You're stealing stuff from Woolworth just to feed your sister. You know, I'm done. that was a true thing. I went back, like, about well, three years ago to the Woolworth, and I paid them back what I stole from, like, 40 years ago. I said, ma'am, I did steal the banana chips and the chocolates. I was here, I'm like, I, I stole from once a week. Once a, I'm, I'm just trying to pay you back. <laughs> so I had to go settle my debts because I, I didn't even know they still existed. But I used to steal stuff all the time and, and beg and pray that the Lord would just let the neighbor just say, Are you, do you want to stay for dinner? Because we didn't have no food. We didn't have no electricity. And then when my mom was on her drugs and I used to live in Trenchtown on First Street, we had no lights. We had no running water. And I'm going to this private Jewish school and yet I'm back in the ghetto. And I should have showed you a picture of the ghetto because it's not like y'all's ghetto. This is the ghetto ghetto. And this ghetto here rough. You know, we're always under martial law. Okay, and so here it is. I go to, I tell him I'm leaving anyway, and I run away. And I go to my friend's house, and we go to this party. And then I get, I nearly get gang raped. Five guys, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just something that's going to follow me the rest of my life. I'm always going to be assaulted in some kind of way. I get out of that situation, and I, my mom finds me because I'm clubbing. I was clubbing at 13. Yes, I was dropping it like it was hot. I mean, I was doing the most. I was smoking. You can't even believe. I look younger now than I did at 13. I was just, my heart was dark and deep with sin. <laughs> and then the Savior came in. <laughs> you know, but I was doing all of that. And, and uh, my mom found me in a club. And when I went to her, there was this other girl across the way called Tamara Chung. And she kept inviting me to church. And she would invite me to church. Every Friday night, come to youth group meeting. Come to youth group meeting. But I'm like, I don't do youth group. Do you know who I am? I'm like a Rastafarian girl. Haley Selassie, Ja Rastafari, ever living, ever faithful, ever sure. The conquering line of the tribe of Judah, the first and the last. I do not, all these things that you talk about, Jesus, this was Haley Selassie. So I knew all of these Bible scriptures, but it was just to a different God, a different person. I didn't want to be a Jesus person because all the Jesus people I knew at my school, I was going to an Anglican school by this time. I was in high school now. So I was in, I messed with the Baha'u'llah faith the I Ching, Chinese mythology, Catholicism, because my mom thought she was Catholic at one point, um, Rastafarianism, Judaism. Oh, now here I am. The Jesus people are coming for me. And the Jesus people, they are the worst because one, they judge you on everything. Two, they judge you on everything. Three, I'm always going to hell. That's what they say. You're going to hell, sir. I'm like, I like it. I'm going to be cute going to hell. Because again, I don't know that hell is a real place. And I don't know God is a real God. I just know about him, but I don't know him. So to me, I could play with them. They're like, oh, you're playing around. I'm like, your God won't even make you put eyeliner on. Like, please, if God keep you that ugly, just, I, I mean, I would, I mean, I was Paul. I mean, I used to be like Saul. I would persecute any Christian in my way. They want to pray for me. I said, keep praying. I said, you need to pray your hair get combed. I mean, I mean, I would just do the most. I mean, I was... The worst. I skipped school. I, I, I even show up for class. I mean, I was just, <laughs> I, was, I was terrible. Like thinking back now, I was like horrific. I mean, my French teacher kicked me out of class, so I let out the air out of her tires. I mean, why not? I do have witnesses to these atrocities. So um, anyway, so I was so obedient. And I ran away, and the girl kept telling me to come to church. And I said, no, I'm not going to go to church. I don't go to church. That's not the thing for me. Uh, popular people don't go to church. And so I, uh, she, she threatened my pride one time, and she said, you scared something's going to happen to you. I said, scared? 
Me scared. Do you know where I'm from? I'm from Trenchtown. Scared of what? I cut you in your sleep. You don't even know what happened to you. Scared? Oh, no. Because I used to fight people too. Oh, I used to fight people too, by the way. I know I look very bright and very light, but I used to oh, fight you. Don't roll up on this. Don't roll up on this. <clears throat> She's saved now, though. It's a so then uh, the lady threatened my pride, and I told her, all right, fine, I'll go to your little church. I knew it wasn't a little church, but I went to her church. She gave me some church clothes. I didn't have no church clothes because I told you I was dropping it like it was hot, so I didn't have no church clothes. Okay, so she had to lend me some church clothes, which included a skirt that was longer than here. How, how horrible was that? You can't even move right. So I had on my little mini skirt because I was going to the party afterwards. I was just doing this church thing to get her off my back. I sat in the back of the church in the dark. I saw all these little people from my school. I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> I don't want nobody to see me. It was like 500 teenagers. This was like a big church. And the teenagers were doing weird things. You know what they were doing? Things like putting their hands in the sky and looking up. Like, who are they looking at? What? what? I looked up too. I didn't see nothing. Then they were saying, hallelujah. And I'm like, we don't, what language is that? We speak English here. It was the weirdest. I thought these people are crazy. They're dancing. They're running around. They're saying, hallelujah. They're praising God. They have tears from their eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in the twilight zone. God, please let this thing be over. Lord, help me. Jesus, I didn't, I didn't couldn't even call on him. I, I didn't know who to call on. If you're there, whatever you are, help, rescue. Well, then the preacher man decided to preach. Why? Why did he preach? I didn't know he had to preach. I thought we were just going to have a good time. But here he come preaching with the Jesus word. Woo, I'm going to try not to cry because I'm telling you. The man came up there. His name was Andrew Keene. And he came up there and he started to preach. And he preached on John 3.16. Literally John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only he didn't have no one more. He did his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but they could have everlasting life. And he said, you are a whosoever. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been, God so, it's that word. It was that, that, it was that so love you part that got me that he so love you that he didn't take he didn't take your innocence he didn't take he gave someone who would give and not take was really important to me because I'd been through so many molestations and assaults I was used to being took but I wasn't used to somebody giving and he said, he so loved you that he gave what was most important to him for you, regardless of how you are. And I have no idea what happened. I opened my eyes and I was at the altar saying a prayer I understood nothing about. All I knew is whatever God that describes, I have to have that one. I didn't know his name. I didn't know his title. I didn't know nothing. I just, whatever God would give his son, I need that God. And so I didn't know anything had happened in my life. So I went to the party. 
I know you're not supposed to go to parties. I didn't know. I didn't even know I was a Christian. I didn't know I was a Christian. I just wanted the God, and I said the, 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 the prayer, and I thought that was it. Well, when I went to the party, I could not believe that things were happening, and I felt I had an out-of-body experience. And I told them, you got to take me home because something is wrong with me. Something's wrong with me. I don't want to be here. I don't want to smoke cigarettes. I don't want to do this. I, I felt, I don't want to do this. Take me home. I went home. I called the church the next day, and I was like, what, what did you all do to me? Please undo it. <laughs> Whatever happened, undo it. And she asked me to explain, and I told her, and she said, you became born again. I said, what is that? And she explained it to me, and I said, Whatever I did, do I get to keep the God, though? Do I get to keep him? And she said, yes, that's how you keep him. I said, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. What else? What I need to do? She said, you need to be in a church. I said, I got to, I, which church? Can I come to this church? She said, you got to go to church. She said, you need a Bible. I said, I don't have a Bible. She said, you can come up here and get a Bible. I said, I'll be up there. I said, what else I need to do? So you need to be in a small group. It was called, uh, you know, cell groups at the time. And I said, okay, all right. So, and they put me in this group. And I found a picture, I didn't send it to you all, but I found a picture of my small group leader who I still talk to today, 40 years later, 35 years later. So you, if you're in a small group or you're leading a group, I'm your witness, your work is working. I'm your witness, your service is not forgotten. I'm your witness, like what? I have created you so you wouldn't have an ending. Mrs. Yvonne Moore lives through me because she trained me prophetically. She trained me in warfare. She trained me in prayer. She made me pray six times a day, 6 a.m., 3 a.m., midnight, 9 a.m. You know, then I had to come from school. I had swim practice right after that was. She took me to a lady 3 p.m. before I went to practice, 6 p.m. after I went from practice. I asked my dad, could I go live with my small group leader? Because I didn't have no parents enough and I had exams. And I said to my small group leader, can I come live with you? And she said, yes. And I said, but can my little sister come live with you too? And she said, yes. And she was going through a divorce at that time. And when she was going through a divorce at that time, she had her own three kids. She took me and my sister and she took two other kids. A guy named Mark and a girl named Skyers. And all of us are living with this single lady who is going through a devastating time. And yet, she was our small group leader. And she housed all of us. So she trained me, she discipled me, she poured her life into me. And then one day, about two years later, my mom is overdosed. She is bleeding to death. She thought there were some bubbles going to her heart. She took a pair of scissors and tried to cut them out. Collapsed. And I'm freaking out because this is when I actually realized the lady is on crack. I used to see the cocaine lines. I used to smell the alcohol. I used to, but I did not have a word for it. I saw the crystals. I know she was a cook, but I didn't have a word for it. And they said, your mom is overdosed. I saw her. She was like 90 pounds, my height. Just her teeth are bad. Her nose bridge is destroyed. And I say, mommy, you can't do this. I said, if you do not get your life together with Jesus, and I begin to witness to her and testify to her and witness to her, and I say to my small group leader, if my mom goes back out on the street, she's not going to make it. Can she come live with you? Yes. You're talking about real church? You're talking about for God so love that he gave this lady Gave my mom a home in her home. Watched her dry out. Vomiting. Shaking. 
But when that lady was finished with my mouth, that woman was delivered from crack. You hear me? <laughs> she touched crack another day. We took her to my pastor. She had spent six hours with him asking every question because, of course, we have all these religions in our head. And he says, Sarah, why don't you come and say the prayer of salvation with your mom? You lead your mom to the Lord. I say the prayer of salvation. My mom gets on it. She begins to double tithe. Double tithe. I didn't know you could double tithe, y'all. The woman went into such a word thing. She read New Testament, and if you hadn't paid your tithe before, she put herself on the New Old Testament law and started double tithing. She was selling money on the black market. Yes, she was, and she had a real real estate job. So, I mean, she was being delivered. You understand? Being delivered. I was like, Mom, you know, that's a criminal activity. That's, I, okay. But she had been in jail, in and out, and all this kind of stuff, you know. And here it is now. She produces the first gospel reggae album ever done in Jamaica. This lady. She begins to have gospel concerts. She opens the first bookstore at our church. She's taking people off the street and delivering them from crack, bringing them to Jesus Christ. She's paying now for people at Christ for the Nations where I was at Bible college. Now, by now I'm in Bible college. And she's paying for kids' scholarships. This is in a matter of 18 months. I mean, God had her on an acceleration. She gets involved with this guy who she's trying to deliver from, and the spirit of death and destruction are just upon him. And I'm prophesying to her, and I'm calling down angels, and we got angels walking all over the property, and all sorts of things are happening. I mean, we live in the supernatural. In Jamaica, we live in the supernatural. It is not an, a, a thing that you hope to see. It is what we live. We are supernatural beings. We expect God to show up. We expect God to do what he said he would do. We expect healing. We expect signs, miracles, wonders, demonic deliverance. We expect witchcraft to be broken. We expect the wisdom tables of the enemy to be canceled out. We expect legs to grow and eyes to see. We expect cancers to disappear because we serve a living God. We don't serve a play God. We don't serve a God of stone. We don't serve a God of wood. We serve Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. We serve the God who walks with you. We serve the God of the universe. We serve the Alpha and the Omega. We serve the author and the finisher of our faith. Do you understand? You don't serve a small God. You need to shake this city up. When you go into Walmart, you better be looking for somebody to lay hands on. You got to say the life change in my life. I will not sit down on it. Man, we just started tearing up the place. Leading people to Jesus. All over. I'm in Bible college now. My dad wanted me to be a lawyer. I said, no, I've got to tell everybody about this unconditional love. That's all I've wanted to do. Since I was 15. And that's all I want to still do at 50. And I went to Bible college and I began to prophetically write in my Bible. Help me Jesus. Help me Jesus. It was a Friday. I spoke to my mom on the Wednesday. God had told me to keep telling her I love her. Now remember I told you I hated her. So I had to start telling her I love her because I was a believer first. And God was working on my heart first. And sometimes a child has to be the gateway for the parent. Not saying it's fair, not saying it's right, just saying, hey, whoever have the relationship, got to pray. And I began to understand her. And I wrote her a letter and told her everything and poured it out. And, and we made amends. 
And I kept telling her I loved her, but she never said it back to me. Because she just, that generation, I don't know. They just didn't know how to say it. They just know to change their ways. And you're supposed to understand that. Okay. So, all right. And so she was doing that. And um, Wednesday comes. And I said, Mommy, I'm coming up on Friday. And I'm bringing six people with me from Bible college. And we're going to come spend the weekend. And she's like, all right, all right. And, you know, she's telling me. But inside, I'm going, something wrong. Because, I mean, my, my prophetic was on. Because that lady, my cell group leader, trained me. I want baby trained. Me, wake me up at 1 o'clock in the a.m., stand up outside and prophesy. And then judge the word and decide if it's not working, we staying outside until she feel the word is working. Like this lady was rough. I wish she was here to testify about the torture she put me through. <laughs> Men, and I just knew. Friday morning comes. So I say, Mommy, I love you. And she says, I love you back. And she calls me by a childhood name I hadn't heard since I was like four. And I just start getting scared. Something's not right. Why would she tell me she loves me? That's not normal. And I know in your mind you go, isn't that what she's hoping for? I don't know. Friday morning, I'm writing in the Bible. I still have the Bible. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. It's about 7.45. We're getting ready to go to class for 8 o'clock at Christwood Nations. And I'm just there early, just writing it down in the deliverance class. About 10 o'clock, 10.30, we have chapel. Time for chapel. And they say, sorry, you need, to, you need to come to the office. I come to the office, and they close the door. And in the door, five adult people. I'm now 18. They lock the door. And for me, that's a trigger space for me because now I feel trapped. So I'm already about to, like, bust out panicking. And they guard the door, and they say, we just want to tell you, your mom was stabbed to death this morning. I couldn't believe it. I just spoke to her. I said, what? And I began to scream, and they had to hold me down. I said, they said, a double homicide. The guy, they slit his throat, but they stabbed your mom. They tied her execution style. Now, in Jamaica, that means they raped her, tied her, then stabbed her. In front of the guy, then they killed him. That's what that means. I couldn't believe it. How am I going to bounce back from this? God, I'm in Bible school. I gave my whole life to you. I'm not an idiot. I could go to any school I want to in the world. And I chose the gospel. Why? How? And God says, I didn't do it. Bad people make bad choices. People make decisions. I can't control their will. And I began to just lean in and say, before I go mentally crazy, because I, I now rush my dad could not handle it, that I had to identify the body. I am the teenager. I am cleaning up the blood out of the tile that's so much that it soaked up the, the rug and went out into the balcony. I just could not believe this was happening. And I had to lean into God. I want to read this scripture to you. In Genesis I just want to encourage you today. We're going to go to Genesis 16. Genesis 16. So this is the story of Hagar. And the Bible says here, 
In verse 7, and the angel of the Lord, okay, verse 6. But Abram said unto Sarai, do what I made that's in your hand. Do to her as it pleases you. And when Sarai dealt with her harshly and hardly with her, she fled from her face. So she had a hard situation, Hagar. She didn't ask to be in this situation. She was a servant of Sarah and ended up being the concubine or second wife of Abram because she had gotten pregnant. Because they didn't have no heir. And Sarah didn't want to wait on the promise that God had given her. And so they fabricated a promise. But however, God is so good that God made a promise to Hagar that we never talk about. That the same promise that was on Sarah was the same promise on Hagar. He said, I would make your son a great nation. He said that from chapter 16. Before Sarah ever had a baby. But we don't remember that. We just remember Sarah as the Egyptian maid that got kicked out and the mother of Ishmael. But we don't remember that God was also faithful to her in her hard time. You see, it don't have to look like you deserve it. <laughs> for God to still bless you in it. You don't have to measure up to everybody's standard of deserving. For God to still pull you out of something. And here it is, the angel of the Lord, verse 10, said unto her, I will multiply your seed exceedingly that it will not be numbered for the multitude. And the angel of the Lord said, you are with child and you will bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael. Why? Because the Lord has heard your suffering. When your suffering is so bad that your suffering has a voice by itself. My suffering had a voice. I couldn't, I had no words. I could not say nothing but Jesus in that moment. I had no prayers to say. I had no tears to cry, but my suffering came up to God. And he said, I'm going to make a promise out to you. I'm going to cause you to have no ending. I'm going to cause the witness I have in you to encourage the witness in other people. So they can encourage the witness in other people. And God will get the glory in my broken story to say that I'm still in my right mind. <laughs> not on any anxiety medication. I am not in a mental state. I am standing strong in all of my cognitive abilities. And I am fully capable of doing what he has called me to do. And here we go. So I want you to turn now to, to keep going to Genesis. So that's Genesis 16, okay? Now we want to go to Genesis 21. Here we go. Verse 10. And here it is now Sarah's, uh, you know, Isaac is born and there's a conflict. All right? Because I told you that your suffering has a voice. Listen. Here it is. The Bible talks about the compassion of God and he's seen their suffering. Your suffering comes up to God. So here it is. We're into chapter 21. Right? And... They, old girl gets kicked out. Hagar gets kicked out because now the, the kids are mocking each other and he gets kicked out, right? So here it is, verse 12. God reiterates his promise and Isaac shall your seed be called, right? That, that's his promised seed. Verse 13. But I also, of the son of the bondwoman, will I make a nation because he's your seed. I'm also going to keep my promise to him. Abram rose up early in the morning, took the bread, a bottle of water, gave it to Hagar, put it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. This part. And the water was spent in the bottle and she cast a child under one of the shrubs. Now God had said that child would be a great nation. God had given that promise to the child and she put her promise under a shrub because she couldn't see the suffering of the promise. Sometimes 
When you don't think God is fulfilling your promise, you try to move away from it because you're afraid he'll fail. You have more faith that he won't come through than he actually will. So you distance yourself from the house of God. You distance yourself from the promise because it's taken too long. When I was believing for my second child and it was year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, year six, year seven, year eight, year nine, year ten. I don't have any periods. I don't have any cycles. My progesterone is in my book outside there. My medical records are in there. It is point negative zero five. I don't ovulate. Yet year 10, a son is born. Now I'm 50. I recently got divorced. I now have a period every month like I'm 12. Like, no, no. When I was trying to have five kids, where were you? crazy and so here it is what this is the most beautiful part of the scripture listen to this and the child was under the tree and she went and sat herself down against him a good way as it was a bow shot she said let me not see the death of the child the man the angel told her the angel told Abram this child here has a promise and yet she's saying I don't want to see it die your circumstances can get so bad that you doubt God's promises on your life. And you forget he brought you through before. He'll bring you through again. You forget, oh, there was a time that you thought you wasn't going to make it. And you were like, Lord, if you do this for me, I promise. I double promise. Oh, you forgot. Oh, you forgot that you were praying that this would, you get this job and now you're on this job and you're complaining about it. You forgot when you were begging God for a job. Oh, you forgot when you were not, you were suffering and now you can glow up and go to a restaurant and eat something. And now you forgot you don't want to tithe. What is wrong in the church? You forgot the goodness of God. And now you think because God's not working on your timetable, you're going to set yourself against a promise and you're going to have a pity party. You're going to check out the children's ministry. You're not going to join your small group. You're going to fold your hands and act up. You forgot. But let me tell you what, don't forget. Oh, my God, I love them. I tell you, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Here it is. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and she cried. Verse 17, is it up here? What does, can you, all, can you all read this with me? This is like old school church. Let's go old school a second. And let's say, read. And God heard the voice of who? Of who? Who was crying though? Hagar. But whose voice did God hear? Listen to me. Your promise will call out to God when your suffering is crying out. Your promise is also crying out. Your promise say you're not going to let me die though, God. I know she's losing her mind. I know she's kind of crazy. But the promise on the inside, you put it in here. Your promise will always cry out to God. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord responded to the voice of the promise. What am I trying to encourage you here today? You have no ending. Because the promise of God is from generation to generation to generation. And I had to bounce back more than one time. And I had to realize that I can't control the responses of other people or the actions of other people. And that sometimes things are going to happen even to people of faith. 
But the test, when it says you fight the good fight of faith, it's the faith fight. It's because it's coming to snatch the faith out of your fight. Faith can be seen. Faith can be heard. You see, when you are going through and your mind is can't calculate, you got to watch this part here. I can say, God, I do not understand why my mom died. Yet, all things will work together for good because I know you have called me. Lord, this don't make no sense. But you know, I, I am going to trust in you anyhow. As long as you are fighting here, it's all right. It's when you make that thing get down into you and your faith now start working in reverse. And you decide, listen, I can't even agree with the promise anymore. Some of us have to break up with the false narrative that we have in our head. That God is for everybody, but just not me. Oh, he up there for Pastor Amy, but he not there for me. Like, some people prayers he hear more because I'm still in this cycle. Let me tell you how to break a cycle. Let me tell you. I'm going to tell you, this is the only thing I do because I was in pastoral ministry for like 20 years and I've been ordained for 30 years. Sometimes things just are naturally to me. This is the only, it, this is the only I, uh, example I can come to. Okay. All right, here we go. This is what you want to not do. If you make $100 in a week and you are to bring $10 to the Lord, because that's 10%. Apply this any principle. This is not numbers, right? You make $100, you're bringing $10 to the Lord for tithe. We all on the same mathematical thing? All right. I have to use simple numbers, okay? 10. <laughs> all right. Saying, for example, while you bring your first fruit to the Lord, right? That something happens and you need an extra $10 that you weren't planning for, okay? And you say to yourself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to break God off $5. And so you converted that tithe to an offering. But in your mind, it's a tithe. What you have done significantly by an act of your own faith is ask God to give you what you've considered a tithe. So next week, when you get the $50, don't complain about it. Because you, by an act of faith, said, this is what I can believe for. I can trust you for what I've narrowed myself down to. And that's what happens to us. Situations come, and instead of we happen to the situation, we let the situation happen to us. So instead of we coming back with the word, and we making a stand on it and saying, no, I will not be moved. Nothing by any means shall harm me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are my rod and my staff, and you will comfort me. If I walk through the fire, you are there. If I walk through the flood, you are there. Father, you have carved me in the palm of your hand. I cannot be snatched away. Listen, you're saying, Lord, that if they are for, against me, you are for me. If God is, all things are impossible. When your word is strong and a situation happens unto you, instead of you crying and going, oh my God, what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all my fears are gone. I do not walk by fear. I walk by faith. I will not shrink back because a just shall live by faith. But what are we doing? We're extending our moments of distress into miniseries. And we're carrying them longer than they need to be. And you've got to put a deadline on your suffering. The acts may be happening, but what you choose to believe here, that God is still the God of all gods. I'm telling you, I've tried a lot of them. And Jesus Christ still is always Lord. It's in his name that you lay hands on the sick and they will recover. 
It's in his name that demons must bow and generational curses must break. It is only in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that anything supernatural can shift for the better. So I'm here to tell you, I've gone through. I've gone through in the church. One time I was part of a group of women, 20-something women that got, you know, sexually assaulted by a pastor. That happened too. After, after all of this, it just kept on giving. And I could be like, Lord, but just because one person does that, does that mean that's every person? No. Does that mean I leave the house of God because God has some bad kids too? Your, your kid's not always obedient. I'm just saying. We're not always obedient. I'm here to say to you, whatever you're going through, whatever you have experienced in your life, it is a test to see if you will still trust God in the middle of it. The minute you disagree with the word, you're agreeing with your circumstance. And any time two come together and agree, it must be done. It doesn't just work in the faith part. You're applying your faith in agreement for the other part. Boy, it's never going to happen. It's always me. They're going to fire me. It's a layoff. I know they're coming down my street. You are agreeing. I chose to disagree with the narrative that the devil wanted. I chose to disagree with my circumstance. I chose to disagree with a statistic. I chose to agree with God and say, I'm going to bet on God. If you bet on me so much that you gave your son for me, I'm going to bet right back on you. You gave your biggest chip. And I'm going to be your rate of return. So I say to you tonight, what are you going through? And you're thinking to yourself, I don't know where God is in this. I'm here to double dog dare you. Believe one more time. Like the woman with the issue of blood who had tried all. Just reach out one time. She touched the what? The hem of his garment, the tallet of the garment, which is, represents the word. You have to hold on to the word. Is it easy? No. You're going to get distressed? Yes. You're going to get anxious? Yes. You're going to feel oppressed sometimes? Yes. But the word is there. The Holy Spirit is there to comfort us. And people say, how are you so strong? Because I allow myself to fail in the only love that I can fail in. The unconditional love of God. It's the love you can fail in. It's the love I cannot pretend in. I can say this sucks. God Fix them. Lord, I want them to break their neck. I, that's what I want. I want them to break their neck. I know it's not righteous. I know it's not holy. I know it's not even right, but it's, me, it's just me and you talking. It's me and you talking. It's right here. We're right here. I don't really want them to break their neck, but I do want them to suffer a little bit. Okay, I, I, maybe I don't want them to suffer. I don't know. That's, that's not what I want. That's, I don't want that. I'm telling you that's what I want. No, we don't want that. Okay. I'm going to learn to not want that, but right now I'm telling you that that's what I want. I hope I encouraged you today to have a real authentic relationship with Jesus. To keep believing him. And to let others see him. You know what? Yeah, but you know the story about Jacob and how he, they say he have a limp. You know what Jacob limping, Jacob? Does anybody record in the Bible where it says Jacob stopped limping? Oh, okay. That's good for you. Because you don't have to wait till you're perfect before you testify. 
Go on with your limp. Go on with your deliverance still working yourself out. Go on with your status still unknown. Go on with your struggle and still testify of the goodness of God. Let him still make a nation out of you with your limp. You don't have to be perfect because done is better than perfect. I'm praising God's progress over perfection. He's the perfect one and he comes in and I want to tell you that I'm still limping, but I'm going to limp forward. I'm not going to limp backwards. I'm not going to get stuck. You're, going, you're not finished hearing from me when God is done with this story. I'm going to say, beam me up, Scotty, because I am done. Until then, I will declare... The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I say I had some good days and I've had some bad days. And I've had some weary days. But I will not complain because I know my Redeemer lives. And I want you to unequivocally, unashamedly, undoubtedly, Believe God in such a way that at the gas station, you manifest in that thing. In Walmart, you laying hands on them. Change this city. Don't back down. Get up. Sell groups. Get into the street. Do what you need to do to multiply. Take over. Your testimony cannot be that boring. God had to save you from something, even if it's yourself. I need you to go to school to the teachers on Monday and say, listen here, he saved me from myself. He saved me from myself. I was jealous. I was just a jealous person. As a matter of fact, I was even jealous of you. I didn't even like the way you walk. I was even judging you. But here it is. I'm telling you that my heart's right. My, let me introduce you to Jesus that changed my heart. Father, thank you that you always hear us when we pray. And for every person, God, that is going through a difficult time, I thank you that they're going through and they're going to what you have promised for them. Lord, the difficult days and the struggles, I thank you that you're present. And you're a present help in times of trouble. So tonight, Lord, even as I just got to share some of my testimony, I pray that they'll be encouraged to stand strong, immovable, always abounding. That even if they get pushed back, they come right back up. That they may be down for an hour, but they're coming back up for two. That they will know that he who lives in them are greater than he who lives in the world. That God, that they will be so sure of who you are, that things will begin to shift in their life. That they'll see the testimony of my mom who struggled for so many years but made such a great impact. That at her funeral, my stepmom, who was in music, got born again. So even in her death, she was bringing life. That a year later, my father got miraculously healed. And now he leads the largest gospel event in all of the Caribbean with 80 to 100,000 people coming to hear the gospel. Because of the seed of my mother. So I thank you, Lord, that the promise will always cry out, even when we don't understand. The seed of promise in us will change a generation and the next generation. You can count on us. We don't promise to always know what to do, but we know always where to run to, and we'll run back to you. In Jesus' name, amen.